July 2nd, Acts chapter 21, verses 18 through 36. The next day, Paul went in with us, Luke and Paul's other companions, to meet with James, and all the elders of the Jerusalem church were present. After greetings were exchanged, Paul gave a detailed account of the things God had accomplished among the Gentiles through his ministry. After hearing this, they praised God, but then they said, You know, dear brother, how many thousands of Jews have also believed, and they all take the law of Moses very seriously. Our Jewish Christians here at Jerusalem have been told that you are teaching all the Jews living in the Gentile world to turn their backs on the law of Moses. They say that you teach people not to circumcise their children or follow other Jewish customs. Now what can be done? For they will certainly hear that you have come. Here's our suggestion. We have four men here who have taken a vow and are preparing to shave their heads. Go with them to the temple and join them in the purification ceremony and pay for them to have their heads shaved. Then everyone will know that the rumors are all false and that you yourself observe the Jewish laws. As for the Gentile Christians, all we ask of them is what we already told them in a letter. They should not eat food offered to idols, nor consume blood, nor eat meat from strangled animals, and they should stay away from all sexual immorality. So Paul agreed to their request, and the next day he went through the purification ritual with the men and went to the temple. Then he publicly announced the date when their vows would end and sacrifices would be offered for each of them. The seven days were almost ended when some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul in the temple and roused a mob against him. They grabbed him, yelling, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who teaches against our people and tells everybody to disobey the Jewish laws. He speaks against the temple, and he even defiles it by bringing Gentiles in. For earlier that day, they had seen him in the city with Trophimus, a Gentile from Ephesus, and they assumed Paul had taken him into the temple. The whole population of the city was rocked by these accusations, and a great riot followed. Paul was dragged out of the temple, and immediately the gates were closed behind him. As they were trying to kill him, word reached the commander of the Roman regiment that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. He immediately called out his soldiers and officers and ran down among the crowd. When the mob saw the commander and the troops coming, they stopped beating Paul. The commander arrested him and ordered him bound with two chains. Then he asked the crowd who he was and what he had done. Some shouted one thing and some another. He couldn't find out the truth in all the uproar and confusion, so he ordered Paul to be taken to the fortress. As they reached the stairs, the mob grew so violent, the soldiers had to lift Paul to their shoulders to protect him. And the crowd followed behind, shouting, Kill him! Kill him! For God so loved the world, and He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, whoever, believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God doesn't say He loves. It says He so loves the world. Okay, so the so in front of the love for me, I'm a simple guy, 
means that the love is amplified and it's like really intense love and it's obsessive love. It's like so love. It's like, hey man, I love you. Or it's, dude, I so love you, okay? I can tell a dude I love you, but the moment I say I so love you, it gets mad weird. Okay, because that is, that is, ooh, that's intense love. The Bible says God so loves the world. The, 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 the word world there in the original language, it speaks of a sinful system and the people in it. It's simply, what it essentially means is God loves bad people. God doesn't just love bad people, he's obsessed with bad people. This is a problem for God. Why aren't we talking about this? God, you are gonna be obsessed with people who possibly perchance will never reciprocate your emotion or your affection or your affinity. You are going to spend your effort and your energy, and I guess based on scripture, you're going to spend the life of your son with no guarantees? You are gonna give the life of your only son for people who may never even care to consider your extravagant, extensive gift. You so love bad people. God, can I fill you in on something? Down here on this little ball called earth, we don't roll like that. You're obsessed with bad people. And then furthermore, it says that you gave your son with a whoever, whoever. What? Whoever. Just whoever would acknowledge and receive. Lord, that's not how we give gifts down here either. Like when I give someone shoes, especially if they're Jays, they're Jordans, I better see them wearing them next time I see them in a social setting. And if they're not wearing them, I ask for them back so that I can give them to someone who's grateful. It's called strings. That's how we do things down here string attached God loves bad people and it's moved him to send his son and on the end of what he gave was a whoever that word love if you're students of scripture you know what that word love is it's the word agape the word exclusively in the possession our divine creator, savior, and deliverer, agape. Agape is not the kind of love that we function with on earth, is it? It's not the love that people get married with. People don't get married with agape. I've performed a lot of weddings, okay? The, the, the bride does not come kicking and screaming down the aisle, I hate him, he's ugly, and he's like, but I'm gonna marry her anyway. I see potential in her. That's not how people get married. People get married and all their friends and family are there and they go, are you sure about this? You promise? Do you promise? Repeat after me. Repeat, I promise, I promise, I promise. I love you, I love you, I love you. Your turn, I love you, I love you, love you. I promise, this is it. You promise? Totally? Okay, kiss, you guys are good. That's called love that's reciprocated. The Bible says God possesses this love that needs no reciprocation. It's called agape, it's unconditional. And it is towards us and it is for us and it is obsessive, and it is not exclusive to morally good people as if there are such a thing, as if there is. God is obsessed with bad people, and his love is relentlessly towards us and for us, and it does not stop, 
and it cannot stop. There are people in this space right now, you have tried to shake God and you have tried to shake that feeling and that sensation that someone is there and someone is watching and there's more to life and there's more purpose and God has, there's something more than what I'm doing and you have tried to shake it off and you don't know what that gnawing sensation is. I'm telling you, that is God's love relentlessly pursuing you and it will not stop and it will not end. Whatever you choose, whatever your decisions, His love remains. This is how extensive and relentless God's love actually is towards and for you. And that is everyone in this space and everyone who has ever lived or will live. God's relentless agape love is towards you. He's obsessed. Here's the problem. God has it. He cannot help himself but to be obsessed with you. That's what moves God. As we end and conclude right here, when Mary and Martha write this note, they write in there, Lord, the one you love is sick. That word love that they use is the only love they know. They use the word phileo, if you're familiar with the ancient language. Phileo is reciprocated love. Phileo is brotherly. Phileo is marriage. Phileo is love that we, it's how we handle and deal with love on this planet. They said, Lord, the one that you phileo, Mary and Martha, they're so cute. They, they haven't even scratched the surface. They said, Jesus, the one who you love because you love him. Excuse me, the one you love because he loves you. That, that, that guy, he's sick. Would you come and Verse 5 seems like such a harmless verse, and if you're like me, sometimes I read verses and I'm like, that's a little unnecessary. That verse doesn't seem to really add much to the text or the narrative or the story. And it says, now Jesus loved Mary, sister, Lazarus, loved Martha, sister, he loves him. Oh, yeah, we kind of figured that out. But I, I looked at the word love, and you know what, it's not phileo at all. John is trying to communicate to us that <laughs> Jesus doesn't phileo Lazarus and he doesn't phileo you. He agapes you. His love for you is relentless and unconditional and knows no end. It remains towards you forever. Do you know what the good news is? The good news is, is that God loves bad people. If he didn't love bad people, we could not be loved. But this is what God does. It is our highest honor and the highest good in our existence. For those of us that have accepted, our eyes have been opened and we have been awakened to this incredible reality. Let us not take for granted the extraordinary, extensive, explicit, explicit, explicable gift that God has given us in Jesus and let us shout from the rooftops that there is a love so grand and so beautiful and so extensive let us open our arms wide and our hearts wide to recognize that the news that we have to share is to all people who have ever lived or will ever live for the Bible declares who so Ever. Christianity is not predicated upon morals and ethics and deeds and resume and knowledge and education. It is predicated upon a love that is being revealed to the world by which we can respond to in faith. This is the message 
We've got to tell people. As Pastor Piper said, it is so good. As Pastor Louis said, how can you not look at the cross of Jesus and say to yourself, this is the end of my little plans and my puny ideas of fulfillment and joy. I have been overwhelmed with this grandiose, magnanimous act of Jesus, the perfect God-man, the Son of the living God. And now it is my highest honor to live the rest of my life spreading the news of His extensive, extraordinary, relentless, and unconditional love. Wow. Lord, the one you love is sick. Can I encourage you as we, this plane has landed, we're taxiing to the gate and we'll be deplaning in seconds. This is it. Can I encourage you as we're pulling into the gate here that, um, the emphasis of your life. I pray that John 3:16 will not read like this, for the world so loved God that he gave his only begotten son. That's not what John 3:16 says. But can I be honest, that's how I live so much of my journey with Jesus. I believe that my love, my love is what moved him, and my love was the focus and the emphasis. It's not, the emphasis is, is his love. Got to spread the news of his love and how his love has covered a multitude of sins. Let's tell the world that if you're broken and if you're bad and if you're beaten, welcome to the party. We are all in this together and there is a love custom made and tailor made for broken and bad people. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Today we're reading Psalm 150, verses 1 through 6. It is only right that the closing song in the Hebrew hymnal be an invitation to praise the Lord. The word praise is used 13 times here. Where should we praise Him? Locally and universally, in the temple and in the vast heavens. In other words, wherever you are, praise the Lord. Why should we praise Him? because of what He does and who He is. The better you know God's character and works, the more you will praise Him and the more you'll enjoy praising Him. How should we praise Him? Well, with voices and instruments, including the cymbals, and with our bodies expressing the joy we feel within. The whole person should be one living sacrifice that praises the Lord. Now, who should praise Him? Well, it says here that everything that has breath praise the Lord. But things that do not have breath praise Him as well. So we even have more reason to do so because we're living. Our breath comes from Him. So we ought to use it to praise His name. Breath is the weakest thing we have, but we can devote it to the highest service, praising the Lord. Psalm 150, verses 1 through 6. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His heavenly dwelling. Praise Him in His mighty heaven. Praise Him for His mighty works. Praise His unequaled greatness. Praise Him with a blast of the trumpet. Praise Him with the lyre and harp. Praise Him with the tambourine and dancing. 
Praise Him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise Him with a clash of cymbals. Praise Him with loud clanging cymbals. Let everything that lives sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 18, verses 9 and 10. A lazy person is as bad as someone who destroys things. The name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to Him and are safe.